Hey listeners, this is uh, Charles from When Will It End, coming in at the beginning of the episode to just give you a quick reminder that our first episode of our bonus show, Why Won't It End, will be coming to Patreon this Friday, June 5th. Uh, It's only $5 a month. For those $5, you get two bonus episodes as exclusive content, plus helping us make the four free ones that we do still every month. So again, that is patreon.com slash WWIE podcast to sign up. And the first episode on Vin Diesel in The Last Witch Hunter will be coming out on Friday, June 5th. Thanks so much and enjoy the first episode of the Roboverse. Hello and welcome to When Will It End? It's the movie podcast, the most timely of cultural formats in 2020. What do you think? How does this rank as far as, uh, you know, proximity to the dialogue? Would you say this movie podcast is? It's, I mean, I think the dialogue is copying us. Oh, so you're saying we're actually the bleeding edge. We, yeah, or whatever. I don't know. And, and culture is the blade behind us. That sounds sick. It does sound pretty good. Sounds a little scary, though, too. Someone, someone's chasing us with a blade. Hey, big-time Hollywood screenwriter, that's my idea. You can't have it. What, me getting chased by a, what, anthropomorphic blade? Matt Damon plays the blood, and Mads Mikkelsen plays the oh, blade. And God. it's a... God, what, imagine those guys together. I feel huh? like he's probably They'll never already get played a character called the blade. I know there's... What's his name from Snatch, who played Boris the blade? We could just get him. I bet Matt Mickelson's parents called him the Blade as a child. <laughs> yeah. It's a good good mom, good dad. That's parenting 101. He's Dutch, right? I sure. I feel like that's a Dutch thing to do. Call their children the Blade. I don't know, just bring people up so that they're just like terrified and completely fascinated by violence and sex. So, yeah, calling your 3-year-old son the Blade I think is a great start for being a Dutch boy. I mean, you're you're pulling off really a, a gorgeous segue here, and I'm really impressed with what's going on right now. Yeah, this is really good stuff. Well, this is maybe the best job you've ever done doing a segue. I'm not uh, kidding. This is it. This is the peak. Thank you. I wish you go ahead. See it through, Charles. What are we doing today? Wait, is this a trick? No, it's not a trick. Did you just set yourself up for this, or did you just stumble into this? I think it. No, I'm sorry. Are you really losing the thread on this? I thought you were doing. Wait, wait, so- I, like, can we go through it, one man. more time? So I said, well, okay, Dutch boy. you were talking about. There's something about like the Dutch where they might raise people to be obsessed with graphic violence and yeah. sex. And I was thinking, so we got, um, got Lars. He's Dutch, right? I was thinking Law. I don't think Lars he's von Dutch. Trier isn't. Are you are you and doing a bit right now? We got Reffen. I think he's Dutch. I, oh. I honestly... <laughs> yes! Wait, did you really not set yourself up for that? Well, that Are you kidding well, that, me? Well, Are you joking? Never know. That was a mistake? We'll never that know. That was a mistake. <laughs> I am... Beside... you. Please tell me the truth. Was that... Did you stumble into that? Or was that I thought Paul was from, like, Finland or something. I don't know what... The, 
you came so close to just blowing my mind and and doing something at a level on this show I've never seen. I have successfully blown your mind. Yeah, you really have. I I double blew your mind. Yeah, I thought you did an incredible job, like talent wise, and instead you just happened to like stumble into a perfect ballet for a heartbeat, and you have no idea how you did it. Yeah. Paul Verhoeven is Dutch. Well, I'm going to have to re-listen to this episode many times to sort of figure this out. To untangle this twisted web. But yeah, we're finally out of the Furious verse. It's gone now. It feels good. I think. Well, you know, I, I, I would say texturally speaking, we've now switched gears from some very smooth movies, some very, you know, glossy movies. And now we're in a real, uh, a real dirty zone. Oh, yeah. So I think the contrast is sharp. And uh, as we record it, you know, it's quite a transition to, to step into because we don't do this in a vacuum. We're, we're watching a really violent movie about cops and uh, an unbelievable time in American history. That's very familiar. Yeah. So it, it is t- – t- watching this movie through that lens was, you know, I think it was a lot more demanding because we often on the show talk about are we watching things that, you know, are like fascist – pornography like Hobbs and Fast and the Furious and and that's like you know that the tone of those movies is 100% Verhoeven in Starship Troopers when it comes to like how he depicts guys like Hobbs you know yeah though I don't know that the they're in on the joke exactly yeah so it's it's weird to watch this movie which is a movie about cops and the whole time I was watching it I don't know if you had this experience but were you watching it like okay are are they trying to sell me that cops are cool and they're sympathetic and the thing we like about this guy is that he's a cop etc yeah well just to back it up one second I'm sure everyone who's listening to the episode saw the name of the episode but we're now in the roboverse yes we watched RoboCop. We're doing the RoboCop series. And yeah, it's very sweet. We chose to do this like six months ago. And I know that like every day there's a, a shitty thing that a cop did, killed another black person in America. But it is like very strange to be releasing this episode the week after all this shit's happening. And it's... uh. It's weird to be like scrolling through Facebook and having an endless stream of of shit to look at and then have to watch this like almost lighthearted like just look at America and now have to talk about it on a goofy podcast. Well, I actually I it felt like a horror movie on this watch, but I, I will say I totally echoed those sentiments. And I would say if you haven't donated to the many bail funds around the country that are in place to support people demonstrating against police brutality, we were happy to include a long list of places to donate. Um, Minneapolis, Los Angeles, every metropolitan center has a bail fund set up. So if you can't safely protest with people, there are ways to support those people. I am happy to uh, direct you to whatever you need. I hope we can be helpful in that regard because that is a very real way to do something. Yeah. So hey, maybe we're gonna maybe we're gonna get a little serious today. Let's please God, maybe not that serious. Because this is we're all smiles over here at Josh and Charles Corp. Oh, can we change the, our name to wait? It's very close to OCP called jc rojo jcp we should i'm going to change the logo for this episode to jcp okay be josh and charles productions we'll be like ocp right we'll be the menace we'll be the corporate menace in an american greed machine yeah that's fine we're definitely well cast for that role (laughs) (laughs) to uh, middling white guys (laughs) 
talking about movies. I bet you could uh, cast us in all those bits, like as maybe not the leads in the business meetings, but we could be in the background and it would be like, oh yeah, oh obsequious creeps, yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely, yeah. That with the fucking the complete loser who gets gunned down by the the Kinney or whatever. The, yeah, I already call. I call Kinney the corporate red shirt guy. He's just yeah. like, oh, I'll do it. Gemini. What does he say? He's like. It's shame about Kenny, and he's like, "Yeah, man, living in a what was it? Living in American city? That's or something? life in the big city. That's life in the big city." So first off, uh, M- Miguel Ferrar in this movie, in a movie of like really like, uh, except for interestingly enough, Peter Weller, like electrifying performances. I think Ferrar is just like, man, he's at his peak in this. He's incredible as Bob Morton. I feel like in if there weren't so many other people, he'd be like, "Oh, this guy's." the cream of the crop he's taking the cake but you have so many amazing character actors doing their thing and i think that's what what's cool about this movie is that there's so much going on it's so fucking tight and i know it's not a tight 90 it does get into the hundred but it does feel like maybe the son of a tight 90 the one that's going to take over and bring that legend to the hundred i don't know i mean it's just so well written and so well edited that it 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 it's a thrill to watch. So it doesn't feel but you have like eight different characters that all have all almost the same level of billing. Like you could bill all these people the same. Like I wouldn't know that I could disagree that even though Peter Weller's the title character and he's technically the hero and the star, he gets almost as much screen time as everybody else. And it's really fascinating to like have this whole movie structured around six different people of the same importance, all having their own story. And more importantly, rewatching it this time, what I was blown away by is the way that every character gets their little moment in such a dramatic way. I forgot that Johnson essentially shares the climax of the film with RoboCop, with Murphy. Wait, remind me who Johnson is? Uh, Johnson is Bob Morton's friend in the boardroom, the guy with the glasses. Oh, yeah. That and so rules. when he sees revenge taken on the guy who killed <laughs> his friend, he gets his little moment. And that's like one of the last shots in the movie is this guy who I guess in any other movie would have been not – he would have no lines or presence at this point in the film. He'd be completely like, why right. would we include this guy? But this movie is so full of these little threads that connect and continue that Bob Morton's story is carried out through that guy having that – those two shots – where he shoots the thumbs up to RoboCop. Yeah. And like, that's just, it's so interesting. Like in any other film, it might feel like a hat in a hat, but in this movie, it's just exquisite how they pull off each little, everything is resolved by the end. Yeah. And it's, I think why this movie works like, so before I, I say that sentence, I just am curious, how many times have you seen this movie? When was the first time you saw this movie? What's your, what's your, cause this is like, we've come off of a huge franchise of movies that all of America's seen. And I feel like RoboCop, is probably the same way. This is one of the like most successful movies from the 80s. Really dictated a lot in terms of, I don't know, culture and film. And I'm just I'm curious where you got into this. I think like a lot of people, I saw it and the sequels on cable constantly growing up. They were just like always on, it felt like. And I think the it's such a dark, upsetting movie and everything it depicts is so starkly in contrast to other cable movies like i think about the world of like i've seen a million steven seagal movies because of tbs and those movies are not like this movie and the way that heroism is depicted is not like in this movie and just that the tone always stood out as just being uh apart from a lot of other movies about violence so i guess it just stuck with me and then again rewatching it as i got older this is you know it's robocop it's hard to even answer the question it feels like ubiquitous to like yeah violent 
movies. I see. I I grew up in a very strange household where I wasn't really shown. I was shown movies about like America that my dad liked, like westerns, things that showed men to either be true heroes or heroes that like suffered because they were too good to live in a system. So I never. I don't think I watched this till I was either in high school or maybe in college, and. Yeah, it, it was like a very like I didn't grow up with like Seagal and Jean Claude. I didn't really watch most most of those. I was more into like Asian martial arts and big guy hero movies. So I sort of missed that whole thing. And this is sort of the first like American bloody violent movie that I see maybe after Die Hard. I mean, it breathes that rarefied air. So it's like interesting. This is like my entryway. I didn't really get like I mean Schwarzenegger and all these people. Like this is such a different take on that idea of having like a Schwarzenegger or a Sylvester Stallone, like using this image of like a huge strong man. And he's not what at all, what you expect him to be. The emotional climax of the movie in RoboCop is so horrifying. The shot of him sitting alone in the warehouse with his helmet finally off this horrific floating semi-human presence with like skin stretched over a metal carapace. That's it's, it's a, it's Frankenstein. It's, it's a, you know, it's, he's not we don't want to be robocop no we don't even know like like it shows us a hero who is the symptom of something horrifying and it doesn't flinch from that which you know that's so different from every other movie about like you know the cool handsome cool guy cop who plays saxophone and flirts with ladies and you know mows down rows of bad guys like this guy is you know, shattered, you know, irrevocably shattered by violence. Yeah, this the scene where he's like, so we are introduced to him. He's so fucking cool. He's got a son that he like, makes sure he watches a bunch of violent shit and tries to be like the characters on TV. It's perfect. And then like, as soon as we meet him, he's uh, like brutally executed while five psychopaths are giggling and like as they shoot his limbs off. It's nuts. And then it's just like cuts to black and that's it. And we're like, fuck, what, what is going on? Well, well, watching it this time, what I thought was so interesting was how well they frame Murphy as being this – we're never given this image. I don't think he's charming at all in the beginning of the movie. I found him like right. calculated and, and, and like sort of Tom Cruise and you know, Eyes Wide Shut style like I'm this like flashing emblem of charisma that's like so fake. And so you know, he says, you know, I'll, I'm breaking you in. Uh, you know, partner to to Lewis. You know, he's just right. kind of like a dick, and I, I love that when he rediscovers his life as RoboCop in retrospect. He's I feel like he's seeing how empty and how little he had then. Like his memories of his house are sanitized and textureless, and and just almost as blank as the empty house he confronts as like a weird ghost. And I thought that was like the really horrifying thing on this watch, like how empty his life was long before he was RoboCop. Absolutely. Yeah. This is like a complete takedown of the American dream. I love that Verhoeven chose to not introduce us to his family. I feel like a much worse movie would have had like a scene of RoboCop before leaving his house and like you get to see his wife and kid and you get to meet that family unit. And here like you never get that. It's severed from the start. And he has that awesome line where he's like, I can feel them but I can't remember them, I think. It's one, It's an amazing line. And yeah. then also, the, the, another uh, another angle on that, that that you're touching on is that in the first flashback, his wife is something very important to tell him. And we're like, oh, there must be some conflict in their life. Maybe she's conflicted that he's a cop. Maybe like they're trying to figure something out about their relationship or themselves. And then in the full flashback, all she says is, 
I love you. Yeah. So, like, even is this real? Like, this is what this movie does. It's just, it's textureless. Like, nothing about his life in this, like, sanitized white suburban upper middle class cop lifestyle. Like, it, it, it is, it's saccharine in, like, a cloying, eerie way. It, it, it's just as, like, manufactured and empty as the corporate reality that he lives in. Yeah. And I, I think I, I normally don't like movies like this that are very upfront in what they're trying to do. But I think Verhoeven, like he did in Starship Troopers, is so upfront about what he's not trying to do that you actually lose track really sometimes of what he's trying to do. And it's really ingenious to be like so blatantly satirical that you you just are have no choice but to believe in the world and then you just get lost in it. It, it reminded me of Blade Runner 2049 where the theme you know, of another movie about like semi-human people realizing the thing that they're dreaming for isn't really real to begin with and, and that revelation being the center point. Those two movies really felt, you know, I, I think there's, I'd like to watch that soon to sort of see what echoes of, of Robocop yeah. I find in Blade Runner 2049. Because again, like Gosling's performance, he realizes that, you know, even his dreams are are a photocopy of somebody else's dream, essentially. And it's, it's devastating. And, and watching it, maybe I never engaged with it on this level before now that I'm old and in my 30s. But That's like, right. yeah, like Robocop's like, oh, yeah, like my life had like nothing. Like the thing that I, I remember being was a, a, a fantasy. It's, it's just incredible. Yeah. I think the difference, I like your comparison to Blade Runner. I just watched it recently and it definitely holds up. It's, it's really great. But I think what this movie it so commits to this idea that he remains a hero at the end, even though he has his transformation, he remembers everything, he takes off the helmet, but he still remains the, like, he still is the cop, too. He still can't escape being RoboCop. So, unlike in Blade Runner 2049, where he, like, by the end realizes everything, gives himself up because he still sort of feels it, but you sort of know that he understands, and then he dies. RoboCop doesn't die. RoboCop is an infinite. RoboCop is God, he is America's God. This We gave away Jesus. We gave away the Trinity. We are now fully RoboCop uh, worshippers. Yeah, no, it's sick. Like this like shitty corporate robot who's like built poorly and programmed to protect corporate elites and, and is like a clunky, charmless, sad approximation of human behavior. It's great. Oh, he's so good without the, with, with the helmet on. He's fucking so good as a, just a mouth actor. We talked about, I forget which episode it was. We, we talked about... Well, Behind the paywall, fans can hear about us talking about dreads during Carl Urban doing That's a lot of true. math acting. Another one. That's coming up soon. Uh, we also mentioned it, I think, in Blade, when Blade's stuck in that room. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And all you can see is his lower mouth. So, like, acting f- from everything below the nose, that's hard. Fucking Weller's got this shit down. Yeah, uh, he's great. And I, again, I can't get over like how much like Murphy sucks. <laughs> I, I, I love that. Yeah. Cause it's a movie which is, is so perverse that, you know, classic Verhoeven, like he, he casts, you know, the, uh, Clarence Boddicker, the wonderful, uh, red from that 70s show. That performance is the most seductive, alluring, fascinating, like it's the most thrilling performance in the movie. And he gives it to a bad guy who, you know, I don't know. It, it's, I don't even know what the comparison point is. He's he's the most deliciously evil dude I've like ever seen in a movie. Well, I think what's also cool is that all the bad guys, like the henchmen are sort of tough, but not even that tough. But like all of Verhoeven's bad guys are like bald, ugly, like 
almost like actorly old men. Like they, they are like so not strong. They're just buffoons that love to perform. And it seems like that's the true villain in America. Well, I mean, I, it's just a movie about unchecked free market capitalism. What the, the, the criminals are talking about how to triple down in manufacturing and repack, like, you know, it, it just, just the, the total privatization of the country. We're talking about this again in 2020, where th- this is an old movie and it, it really is a uh, 33 years later, feels like it could have come out yesterday. Just, you know, when a so- any, any social safety net is ripped away, everything is privatized, everything is, and yeah, so all the violence that we see is like a symptom of that, which I think is so, that that felt really apparent to me on this watch. Yeah, it's it is amazing that this feels more relevant now. I know a lot of people like when looking back at things sort of say that, but usually you can I don't know, it does seem way more relevant now as though Verhoeven somehow knew I I just I feel like the 80s and 90s most of the country was like not aware of how fucked up everything was and now we are and somehow Verhoeven just already knew it. But you were. This is before your time. You're born in what ninety? Yeah, this is three years before I was born. Damn, you missed the good era. I sure did. Yeah. So I guess the, part of the movie that I found myself grappling with while watching it, you know, thinking about police officers and stuff right now, it sort of feels like Verhoeven is using the cop as like the good, honest blue collar worker in, in like in the movie, kind of. Which that that element of it I, like stuck out to me a little bit on this watch, where I'm like, how is he depicting the police in this? Because you could watch it, I think, and be like, oh, well, the police solve the problems of corporations and X, Y, and Z. You know, like, because, like, they, it's RoboCop. He's a cop at the end of the day. He's the star of the movie. They're certainly depicted, like, like what kind of role do you think they're playing in the model he's drawing here? Is it just adulation of cops or? Well, well I mean, what do you think is solved? I don't really know what is solved at the end of the movie. Well, not much. They take, they take out Dick and that's nothing. This, the entire system is still rigged and corrupt. And Yeah, but exactly. Like, it doesn't matter. He was the number two. They're still the number one. They're still going to build Delta City over the ruins of old Detroit. There's still going to be cops. There's still going to be all this shit. I think... Can you edit in the la- the music from the end of The Wire Season 2 over you saying that? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> we, we just cut to shots around uh, RoboCop Town. <laughs> Yeah, the, and then the, and then the, then you play a sample from Dread, where like I just turn the wheel. Delta Delta City is a meat grinder. I'm just yeah. turning the wheel. It's true. The similarities we we definitely have already talked a lot about cops, America, and all this shit on our Dread episode that's coming out. But it's I I in I texted you wrong saying that the movie Dread took a lot from RoboCop, and then you're like, well, technically. Dread was written in 1977, so maybe RoboCop took a little page out of Dread. Who knows? Who's to say? I mean, it's interesting because, you know, like... I, I wasn't there. In Judge Dread, like, any sign of humanity from the judge is treated like a horrible illness for him. And in this movie, like, the cop has to grapple with that. And it, it is delightfully ambiguous as to what he draws out of it. Because, like, Murphy is such an uninteresting person. It's like, how is this robot made any different by now being, like, robo, you know, RoboCop Murphy or whatever, you know? Yeah, so I think this... I think, so the treatment of cops in this movie is most of them are normal people i would say probably like most cops they're just people that follow the rules that are given to them and i really like the scene this time watching the thousand cops shoot robocop because it's like he is they do whatever they are told to do they have no questions they don't really give a fuck there's like the main guy 
and Lewis who are like the people that are outside of it. For the, but for the most part, the cops are the same as RoboCop. They just aren't armored and cyborgs, but they're still just as brainless and still just as empty. Well, okay, because so, Murphy's dead or alive, you're coming with me as a human cop. Yes. When he says it, it's not charming. No. Like, the, the the perverse thing about the movie is that Verhoeven makes us celebrate that line by making it like a nostalgic line for like, oh, he's re- remembering aspects of his humanity. But then if you think about it for one more second, you're like, yeah, when he was like a piece of shit cop who told people he's going to fucking shoot them in the yeah. face. And like, so like, the fact that <laughs> yeah, he, like it's, it's not glorious. It sucks. Having that line repeated, I, I love that because like, it sounds cool. It sounds cooler when he says it as a robot guy. And you're like, oh, shit, this is like what a, a toy you would buy would say before it shoots its little fake gun. Like, this is a catchphrase of oh a my robot God. killer. This is a movie about a man becoming a toy. He watches his shitty kid watch these stupid action things on TV where, like, cool guy cops gun people down. He tries to learn to spin his gun. He yes. says, like, bellicose, insane, sociopathic shit, like, dead or alive, you're coming with me. And then literally is turned into, like, a homicidal Mattel doll gone horribly awry. There were toys gunning for people this movie. down for the corporate police state. That's nuts that this R-rated blood fest had toys associated with it. Well, hold on. You remember the Terminator 2 arm thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's. I mean... All the this was the era for that man. Fuck, the '80s was crazy. RoboCop is so fucking good. It's the best movie. I uh, I would say one of the. I might update my letterbox today to just put that in the top four. This movie is great. Everybody, go see it. So this movie, like in his delightful Starship Troopers, has the news clips and the framing of the mediatized vision of what's going on, which is was so like depressingly hilarious to watch this weekend like right as as things unfold around america to watch this like corporate mediatized view of the country where these things are mentioned in you know and terrorists have destroyed the so-and-so in in, in acapulco and it just like threading together this like endless parade of a crumbling system that's like it it, it was uh again it's a 33 year old movie rings very true right now um i don't think we should talk about i think we probably will end up doing starship troopers i hope maybe oh, next we got to yeah, so I won't talk about it too much, but because um, there is some juicy stories about me watching Starship Troopers for the first time. But I'll, I'll are, save it. Really? Are they uh, NC-17? Well, the movie was rated R, and it probably should have been rated NC-17, and I saw it when it came out, and that was, what, 98? When did Starship Troopers come out? Uh, honestly, I don't know. I'm going to look it up real quick. you got to do the research. 97. So I was... 11 or 12 years old when i first that saw starship too young to see starship so, troopers uh whatever day we do starship troopers we'll regale you with that story of me sitting in a theater watching starship troopers as i slowly uh became so terrified that i almost wet myself well don't give any more away it sounds like most of the story but it is i think it's interesting so this is uh verhoven's probably i think it was second movie in the states and like you can see, there's lots of comparisons. There's the shower scene that he I was, does. Yes, because uh, he famously, bumps up in Starship Troopers. N- non-discriminatory locker room arrangements is a big part of Paul Verhoeven's vision of the future. Yeah, because sex, like like in Philip K. Dick's books, like weed is always legal in his books, and they're all written like in the 70s, which is very funny. And yeah. in Verhoeven's, like everyone shares a locker room. That is yeah. the cornerstone of any utopia or dystopia right because i mean honestly there's no sex i i think it's 
really great choice to have. I think most movies, especially at this time period, would have had a little Lewis Murphy hookup scene, or at least of like some sort of sexual tension or romance kiss end off. But like they're partners. She like they never get to the sex place. And I think Verhoeven is really is fascinated with sex, but I think he's fascinated with like asexuality in America. Like almost to the point where sex is so intense that it's actually like removed sex from like he just pushes it to like we don't even think about sex anymore. That's the logical next step of what we're doing. Yeah, uh, he uh, definitely sees the parallels between the carnal nature of violence and the carnal nature of sex, and yeah. it features strongly in most of his films. And this movie, you've seen the this, was it Fatal Farm? Someone did the remake, like everyone remakes a, a scene from RoboCop. And the, the people who did the uh, rapist dick shot scene, this their version is he just keeps shooting more and more dicks. It's like five straight minutes of him blowing people's dicks off. It's yeah. really magical. Yeah, I, I've I seen recommend that. anyone seek it out. It is very funny. I had a that really, scene is remarkable. It's really great. I had a similar idea. Um, I So I've been at work. I went back to work this week. I had my first four days, Josh, and boy, are my legs tired. That's Sounds good. Like a, this sounds like a joke, but it's not. I'm, it does. It does. It, it almost sounds like a joke. Uh, yeah, I'm on my feet all day again, just moving cans around. Uh, it's sort of nice to be back, but it's also weird to be outside the home. But you're, you've been doing that since this whole thing started. So, yeah, okay. I uh, I have not uh, not been home remotely as much as most folks, which is a mixed yeah. bag. So I know I share. Luckily, it's an open bar space, as I've talked about before. I, I work basically outside um but yeah so i share an office basically now with two people where i can't really practice safe social distancing so it's sort of strange i'm just hoping that they are as careful as i am outside of work yeah it's a crazy time we're all trying to put our faith in people being responsible and that that is easily uh disappointed i'll tell you that as someone who's not been at home for a lot of this there's a lot of times where it seems clear some people don't get the message and don't understand some things. I'll just say this so we have it on record. If you have a mask and the mask doesn't cover your nose, you're not wearing a mask. You're wearing a strange lower face clothing item. It is no yeah. longer a mask because get this, those holes do the same thing as the mouth hole. Wait, what? The, the nose the holes go nose holes? eventually. The little ones go eventually to the same place as the other holes. This is fucked. So if you're so wearing when you're smoking and you bl- yes. I thought the smoke did like a round trip sort of situation, went through a couple of extra steps. But you're saying that the, they're the same. The nose hole, the little nose holes, the small the same nose as holes, yeah. the big mouth hole. It, when at the end of the day, I'm not sure how or why, some of those holes end up in the same place. This is fucked, man. I'm going to have to wiki this. If you don't believe me, Google it. Yeah, the. the <laughs> since I, so I've, the I've mostly been home. And everyone at my house is really good at wearing masks. And when I go out, it's honestly, the people wandering Medford are also looking pretty. This is nuts. The people that are like coming up to buy beer are doing the thing where I thought it was just Russian bots on Facebook, like posting about how people are not wearing their masks properly. But no, most people out there are wearing them so that they're not covering their nose. Some of them are just chewing on it like cud. They come up to the window and they're just... It's... What a time. You're saying they're actively eating the face masks. Yeah. And you say that's not the application that you 
personally prescribe. I'm not going to, I, I just don't, I, I'm not even going to start. I'm just going to keep wow. it on Facebook. Yeah. I remember, uh, I heard a really good joke a long time ago. I was at a, there was a, there was a punk show in downtown Pittsfield and they had a comedian open one of the shows for some reason. It's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, trying to get on the patch to quit smoking. Problem is I can't get the damn things to light. It's pretty, it's pretty good. I get it. Cause he was like smoking them. He was using it wrong. Yeah. Okay, right. sort of like he the didn't understand. Thing. He didn't understand. You're right. It's a similar... Oh, so you're like, saying that these, under- these, these jokers? These are just jokers come up to the winter? They're all comedians? Well, there's one thing we know. One, comedy is subjective, Murray. Two, um, some men just want to watch the world burn. Yeah. Three, Jared Leto, a freak. All true. Especially in Blade Runner 2049, which we were talking about earlier. It's great. They can't cut that performance down more, and it is wherever they left it is amazing. Yeah, that's that was a perfect decision in that movie too. The less we saw of that, the better it was. <laughs> they could have had like a, half of that performance, and I think it might have even been better. But to have the main villain, the guy that's just like ruling this whole thing, be in it for two minutes, and if look that, nuts. I, I remember like two shots of him basically. But it felt it, it's funny because then Leto also in Suicide Squad famously like is like. That's true. His, and uh, the actual time the Joker's in that movie is like 90 seconds or something. Wow. After all that bullshit. I don't know. Very <laughs> funny. Um, but I was saying this because I, we've been watching, I've been watching so many goddamn movies because we just put them on at work because their job is pretty mindless. All we have to do is pick up cans and put them in bags or boxes and then put them somewhere and then someone cups and we put it on the other side of the room for them. So most of the time I'm just watching movies all day. So it's honestly been very fun. We had a nice little trilogy yesterday where I saw, I saw some beautiful connections between Scott Pilgrim and The Social Network, which if I hadn't watched them back to back, I probably wouldn't have never noticed. Wow. Yeah. A, a Sarah Eisenberg doubleheader. That's huge. It was good. Yeah. Michael, Sarah, I texted you this. Like, what the? F- what happened to Sarah? Where'd he go? He's taking time for Sarah. Sarah's got to be Sarah. Let Sarah be Sarah. If I was his agent, I'd write that on a, on a cocktail napkin, slip it over to him. Let Sarah be Sarah. That's a billion dollar billion. Oh, sorry, that's you know what's cooler than a million dollar napkin? A billion dollar napkin? That's right. That is cooler than a million yeah. dollar napkin. Yeah. You know what's cooler than one Michael Sarah? No. A billion Michael Sarahs. <laughs> wow. I don't know. I think you might sort of lose his charm after the first few. You think so? Yeah. I think maybe a couple would be fine. If we, like, populate an entire subcontinent with just Michael Sarah's like, roaming around. Wasn't that already a movie? Or maybe that was somebody else. I feel like the it, one about we the used to, We used cactus. to dream about going to the moon. We used to live in a country that would go out of its way to produce a billion Michael Sarah's just to populate an entire subcontinent. This is good. This should be you the know? next and race. And look at us now. Look at us now. That's that's what I would run Forget on. Forget the dream space big, race. Baby. Sarah race. A billion Sarah's. <laughs> By the end of my presidency, there will be a Michael Sarah in every household in America. By the start, just one. But by the end. But by the end. A Sarah in every pot. (laughs) We will then slaughter them and devour its sweet, sweet flesh as one. As a vegan, I'm into this. We will call it the ceremony. Okay, that's our time this week. Robocop. Um, I forget what I was talking about. I started so many threads and then just lost them all. There's some good shit that I think I love. Oh, yeah. So I, Starship Troopers, um, there's the line where he says, you want to live forever. When Emil, yeah, when, when, the, when the guy lights his cigarette and, uh, he goes, and uh, he's like, those are bad for you. And he goes, yeah. who wants to live forever? Pow. Chop. I was watching this with Amy and she'd never seen it before. And 
when the guy gets blasted in the office, she was just like, okay, now I know what I'm watching. And like, it's, that is, to see this for the first time, that must be just like such a bizarre entryway to watching a movie, especially now. Well, we, we were talking about this, but like this, this movie is like Looney Tunes where like every, like everyone is yelling and waving their arms around and going real big. And you're like, oh, it's this sort of like fun, cartoony, heightened world. And the second someone gets shot, it's like the thin red line or it's just like people erupt into fucking gales of blood pouring out of their orifices as they're like – like it's really violent. The shot of, of Lewis cradling the executed Murphy, you know, the the, the, the the shot above her looking down on his like fucking evaporated blood torso where there's yeah. like, like a lump of flesh that she's holding on to. It's a horrifying tableau. It's really upsetting. And yeah. that's again what part of what makes this movie so interesting is that it's so gross. When we talk about fetishizing violence, this is it's I, it's hard to watch this and not be revolted and like well, knowing what's coming. That's his genius. Is this like this came after a heyday of macho men blowing the shit out of everything, and you just are supposed to cheer? And here it's the exact same setup, uh, except he dies after twenty minutes, and everyone who dies is fucking torn apart and. You do have to sit there and watch this and just be like, oh, fuck, maybe watching people get blasted to death isn't fun. Maybe I should actually be like completely disgusted by this scene. And I think, yeah, it is so successful because it's it's so overplayed in every other way that you can sort of just be like, oh, this is also that. But his hand just like pumping blood as it's blasted off. It's just you can't just be like, oh, this is this is fun. This is goofy. This is so intense. Well, it's so intense. And then you think about it, it as this commentary where it's like, this is what you get. You sold everything. Nothing means anything. It's an entirely – it's a culture of just raw, uninhibited competition and this is what you get. There's no morality. No one cares. It, you know, Everything is, is stark because in that mindset, that's how the world actually is. You win or you lose. The, what happens in the boardroom is the exact same thing as what happens in the fucking you know, cocaine factory where the guy sips wine that Clarence that sticks his fingers into in one of the great moments in human history. <laughs> uh, every time somebody does something with their nose, it's magical in this movie. It's mwah, so good. It's incredible. I love everything about this. It's one of these movies that when it gets into that final sequence, and there aren't a lot of movies that I think will are my, my all-time like Mount Rushmore of final sequences. But you think of like, you know, the trench run in Star Wars. Uh, I think about in Snatch, the climactic showdown at the bar that, that ends in Boris getting hit by the car, mm-hmm. that sequence. There's a few se- – or, or Mission Impossible Fallout. Like you just get in this thing where it's like, man, the rest of this movie is just a fucking blast. And the thing, of course, the last like 20 minutes. But man, the end of this movie is so awesome. It right. just picks up momentum and doesn't stop moving. And it's so – like when he finally faces off with the big robot – pretty short fight when he finally gets up there to confront dick like it just it, it locks into this rhythm that is exhilarating it's it's wild to watch yeah and that's what i it is a tight 100 i think we, we can officially label this a tight 100 this movie is the perfect length it's only potentially like slow moment is when he realizes that his family is gone and he has nothing and he probably never had anything that's like the only time this movie like really slows down and has one person be I mean you can correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like this is this is the only moment in the film where there's only one person in the narrative 
Basically. Right? There's very few moments. Because every other time there's like people talking to each other, people try to do things, people going somewhere. This is a slow moment where it's all about him. It's the part of the movie where you like really can see that he is RoboCop. He's always been RoboCop. This isn't a change. And then it goes right back to being a tight 100 and we're back on the rails. Yeah, it's so good. Oh, Yeah, this is one of those movies where you know it from start to finish. Well, I, I mean, I do and you do and you are very excited to know like you know the beats you know oh this is this time and then this is coming up next and this is coming up so i really like those movies where they like have become such a part of how you think about movies and when you get to watch them you're like yes yes it's this this one that's been a really big part of my life well also like landing those emotional beats to make the action better is so difficult and again we just got off of the fast and the furious universe where there's a lot of times where bad emotional beats make other things seem stupid and then this yeah god he that that element of that ultimate tragedy and that discovery and the facing himself like it really it, it makes that last sequence just like remarkable um i wanted to can i share one piece of trivia with you that i want to yeah, share with you yeah i love trivia okay this is, uh, of course, the kind of research that only a trained professional can do. Please yeah, don't at no. home go. To you're not you go, ready for it. Wait, yeah, I, you're I, not I can't ready. believe it. I'm going to bleep that out. Yeah, you really should. Don't go. Don't Look, go to that website. It, only pros know where to go for the juice. Okay, and if you're not ready, don't worry about it. It takes a lifetime to prepare for this. Um, Verhoeven cast Kurtwood Smith as uh, Clarence Boddicker because he reminded him of Heinrich Himmler. <laughs> It's so true. That's sort of the thing. <laughs> That's what I was talking about earlier. It's like evil isn't the big guy with the giant gun. Evil is the Himmler, the like guy that's in charge of the office work that's murdering millions. And like this is why this movie rules is because the villains are strange people that aren't scary in a physical way. They're scary in a like, holy shit, I do not want to be in a room with this person ever. I do not know what they're going to do. And you know what else is scary? You're going to. This is so appropriate. This is trivia built for 2020. Writers and producers were concerned that cops be offended by their portrayal in the movie. On the contrary, they loved it. They especially <laughs> enjoyed the scene where Robocop throws Boddicker through three panes of glass window while concurrently reading Boddicker an abbreviated rendition of his Miranda rights. <laughs> so you yes. know what's scary? Reality. <laughs> yes. That's why Ferrovin's a genius is that he can make the most overt like distorted satire of america and people just lap it up because it's so close to home that they don't even see it as satire it's like oh this is what fucking cops do this is the hero of the movie i've been trained my whole life that this is my hero great just gonna keep watching these heroes blow people apart yeah it's uh it is amazing (laughs) can i offer a little uh i i would like to ask i was i love the big gun i love that big gun and i love the way verhoven uses it to like just have random useless explosions for two minutes it's such a brilliant addition to a movie but then also the sidearm that robocop has that he puts it in his leg all the time and he can just go i don't know these are two good guns verhoven knows how to make a gun (laughs) 
What I like about the big guns is that at that point it, it's like full Looney Tunes. They're yeah. like they're like swinging mallets at like bugs, but like they're the silliest fucking guns I've ever seen in a movie. They're the I size would... of like cars. <laughs> like there are adult deer who are smaller than those guns. I and wish yeah, I had just, another. They mic. aim them at shit that just like explodes in like the most like dramatic it's... rocket grenade like. It's amazing. I was laughing out of delight, and I know I shouldn't because it's like crazy people blowing but like when he blows up the car and then he blows up the other car and then he blows up a fire hydrant and then finally just blows up the the like strip club or whatever that is a dirty fucking porn store boom it's just so like what the fuck is going on this is one of the longest scenes in the movie and it's just shit blowing up yeah it's spectacular i wish amy could be on the show i really would love because i don't i don't have another mic so it wouldn't really work but i'd love to hear her because she had a great time but also Oh, she has some good stuff to say, guys. So sorry. Just bring her on. What are you talking about? Get, you can just fuck off for a little bit. I'll just talk to Amy. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I can interview Amy for the podcast. Maybe we can do a little on at the end Who if knows? you want You guys, maybe we'll have a little uh, Amy interlude right here. An Amy-lude. Unfortunately, Amy was in the middle of dyeing her hair, so she could not put on her glasses and did not want to talk about RoboCop. So apologize uh if you were very excited like we were for an amy interlude our first amy lude uh we'll have to wait she says hello to everybody and we will make sure to have our first amy lude soon yeah and if we did then we're now back from the amy lude wow and what a segment it was uh yeah uh fucking robocop my guy (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> so um before we get to the question no let's let's ask well i was just sort of interested in the future we're talking about now we're talking about um the reactions by cops we're talking about the world we live in as americans you said you've seen the sequels i've seen at least one of the sequels okay i'm very concerned i've heard they're bad but i also like What's good about this movie is that RoboCop must live on as the eternal RoboCop. I do not want to see that anymore. (laughs) I understand what that means, and I'm very concerned that more of it is going to fall apart very quickly. But who knows? Maybe, maybe it's I don't know. Do you do you you don't even remember which one you saw? Whether it was two or three? No, I really don't. This was on cable many years ago. It was. I'm sure I'll I'll see snippets and be like, "My God, I'm back in 1998 all over again," or whatever. As you do. Um. Yeah, I mean, look, if, if you're asking me do I want to watch the tragic ghost man trapped in the, a corporate robot Frankenstein body grapple with identity and reality, yeah, absolutely. That's amazing, 100%. Um, I would say the action in this movie, while delightful, is easy a, a backseat to the you know implications about privatization and identity and, and manufactured memory and authoritarianism and violence – uh, that stuff rules. So yeah. if, the, the, if, if if they keep it, you know, if they keep digging at that stuff, my God, I'd watch eight of these back to yeah, back. Yeah, that's true. Who knows? I mean, the second one was directed by the guy who did Empire Strikes Back. Irving. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're very close. Last name with a K? Yeah, 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 yeah. Kirshner? Yeah, Irvin Kirshner. I got it? You, I mean, you called him Irving, which, but it's so close, you got it. Just call him Irving for your whole life. God damn, that G, that G, I got caught up in the G. That's, That's on all me. right. 
And then uh, the third one's directed by the guy who did the Monster Squad. I've never seen Monster Squad. Night of the Creeps. Yeah, it's uh, a tone that I don't think is... I'm just going to predict this now. Two movies away. Not sure it's going to work. <laughs> but we'll see. So let, let's stop being coy. Charles, I'm going to ask you, are you asking at this point when will it end on the Robot Cop series? So yeah, that's sort of what I was I was thinking about. Because even if, as you said, you'd watch eight of these if they continued in this Verhoeven line. Um, I'm trying to even think if that's true for me. I don't know that, like you mentioned Philip Dick earlier. I think there are some comparisons. And yes, I would read eight Philip Dick books in a row. So that's true, even though they're all very similar, mostly about sad men with ex-wives and a drug problem. Um, this is one of those things where, you know, is it is it a perfect, like, one season of television, then you get a second season, they don't really know what to do with it? Or is it just, I want more, I want more? I think I'm not asking. I would I would give this world, I think there's a lot in this world. Actually, if they didn't even have RoboCop as the main character, I think that might even have been better. So you want to see tales from the Roboverse, not strictly about RoboCop. I guess I, I, it'd be cool to see, like, the you know, the, the HBO miniseries of like tales from the Roboverse where we, yeah. you know, see the things that happen in and around robot robot cop, but not directly about Murphy himself. Do you think they probably, do they ever want to call it robot cop? I have no idea. I, I, I kind of hope so. Yeah. Robot cop. like, no, it's the, it's the 1980s. Robocop. Just shorten it, Just shorten it a little bit. Shorter, tighter, better. The eighties. Yeah. The eighties. They were going to call it the 1980s and then they're like shorter. Yeah is better shorter tighter fresher more fun snappier robocop what do you know about the fucking 80s man we're 90 yeah uh, i just wish our culture paid more attention to the 80s that's something that i am always i'm finding myself uh regretting that we don't spend more time exploring the distinct culture of the 80s from its charming consumer electronics in in homey plastic containers to flannel shirts to the music of Depeche Mode. And uh, Neon Colors were very in then. Yeah. I think there's so much they could be doing with this right now. The like, fact really... that COVID delayed the next Ghostbusters movie, which was going to be a fun, finally, what was Ghostbusting like in the 80s? But if we imagine the 80s 40 years later, you know, it's a fun, it's fun. It's good to do. Yeah. Um, I Imagine... We, we should remake RoboCop and but make it like 80s. You know what I mean? Like set it in the 80s. That's actually one thing that I'm very... I I have seen the remake of RoboCop. And Me we too. are going to be doing it for the show. And I remember nothing about it. But I'm actually glad that it's more of a reboot than a remake where it does take place in like 2030 or something. It's not trying to do the thing that a lot of directors were doing around this time. Like playing off of 80s nostalgia. He just bumped it a little farther ahead. We'll see what happens. But I'm not asking it. I'm I am excited. I do think that this idea of Tales from the Roboverse could be more because I don't know, like this story that is about cop culture, America, capitalism, I don't know that I need another one to get more of those ideas. I think I get the idea and I really like it and I would just rather watch this again. But I think a world you could get much more out of this world by focusing on something else. So that would be what I would want more than a second RoboCop movie. Yeah. Uh, I think we're pretty much the same page here. I, I, uh, 
I'm cautiously optimistic. I imagine that in the wrong hands, people could misinterpret the tone of RoboCop and turn it into just fascist propaganda. That would be my first biggest concern. Uh, this obviously is a pretty devastating portrayal of everyone and all of society in this reality. So you can sleep easy with some of those questions. Yeah, you could easily turn and get real gross. So that's something that I'm trying to keep my eyes on. But uh, I liked the robot cop and the way that he was sad. And if he's still sad, I will still watch him be sad. You know, show me a sad robot man. That's all I ask. In it's life. true. He asks me this every day. He calls me up. Charles, Charles can you show me a show? sad robot man. And luckily, I have a, a large collection of sad robot men. Yeah, I need to show him one. Right. Which one do you want? Which one do you want today? Phil. You want Phil? All right. We'll get that out later. Give me Phil. Um, I'm trying to think of my MVP for this movie. There's... Oh God, this is genuinely tough. I think uh-huh. I'm going to stick with. I'm going to go with Johnson because he was a great friend. <laughs> he was. He was Bob Morton's really good buddy. They had a great relationship. Eating the paste when he eats the paste in this. <laughs> Jesus Christ! He loves the it paste. Like baby By the food. way, <laughs> the later that shot of Robocop <laughs> blasting away the Gerber baby is such an underrated moment in this movie. Yeah, it's really great. But yes. Uh, Johnson gleefully eating the protein paste and excitedly telling uh, Bob Morton that it tastes like baby food is a great moment in movies. And I wish that I wish he was in everything. He's so good. The second the penultimate cut of him is so quick. It is almost like a subliminal message. Yes. Johnson becomes just a part of my brain and it's perfect. Like his beaming smile watching his boss get blasted out of a window is uh, I don't know anyone else who would make a movie like that and have it land so successfully. Well, then also it, it, it sets up an amazing acknowledgement that we kind of like Bob Morton. He's like <laughs> a likable, like right. he's like a complete piece of shit, but like he's obviously slightly more palatable to Ronnie Cox, who is, you know, pure dog shit in this movie, like a pitch black soul of, of corporate venomous awfulness, the, the great, uh, the great Ronnie Cox. But Bob Morton's at least like, I don't know. We can sympathize with his useful anger at his uh, his elders. Yeah. I, I think this movie really points to why we currently have the political system that we do right now is that we sort of like these guys. Like we're sort of trained to like that kind of person and and be like, not a, like, oh, wow. Yeah, I respect that. I see that as something that should be big and powerful and be the president of the United States somewhere down deep. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I think uh, everyone likes the character. He doesn't care what anybody says. He shoots from the hip because it like this that whole cultural attitude of like some people just know right, and if they're doing it, well, gosh darn it, it's probably a good reason or whatever. Right? Where it's like that doesn't no like holy shit. Yeah. Also, those people are just unhinged sociopaths who are selfish nightmare people. Who like yeah I don't know competition like this this whole thing's about competition like in a, in a system that values nothing but like raw brute aggression and 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 vicious competition that's what you get it reduces the only qualities of, of survival to you know as opposed to cooperation or working together it's if you can claw it away from other people and keep it for yourself you won right so yeah make- th- th- this movie is all about how that is that attitude has like gutted everything about the country yeah he's a winner. I this is a this is one of the hardest movies to choose. Like we just came out of the Furious first, which is you had the brilliant idea of implementing an MVP system, and I think it's great. Josh, you're really bringing this podcast more, to more a whole new level. Before we were just like wow, I especially was just like a bug 
crawling in dirt and filth and Before shit. Before we were Murphy, just kind of an annoying guy with a dumb chin. But later we were the robot cop, the sad man himself. Who's only chin. Exactly. Because <laughs> um, you got... I would say Peter Well is not even in the running. He's a very important part of this movie, but and he does some great physical acting. Um, but for me, I don't think he embodies an MVP. Um, but on the other hand, you have Ronnie Cox. You got Kurtwood Smith. You got Miguel Ferrer. You got Ray Wise. You got all these people that are in their role so well. But I think I'm going to have to actually give it to Lewis. I think... She she's great she's great is in this. awesome i think she is like you were asking earlier about how this movie depicts cops and i think she is the most complicated cop character in the movie because her our intro to her is her beating somebody up for no reason basically and the guy's like leave your suspect alone he's not even like arrested maybe he's someone that she's like questioning or something it's not even clear but she's a bad police officer but she also has a part of her that is human. She probably has the mo- embodies the most humanistic qualities in the whole movie. And I think she's the most complicated part. And I love the end of this movie where she's fucking shot up 16 times lying in a puddle of dirt. And she's just like, Robocop, I'm a mess. Murray, I'm a mess. Murphy, Murphy, I'm a mess. And because she's like barely hanging on by a thread. And he's like, don't worry, they'll fix you. And like, even in that moment, we realize no, she is just another cop. She's I, I believe get... that's that's improv too. Really? Yeah, I think wow. that's the story. What a great line! They'll fix you. They fix me. They'll fix you, and like you will also become a robot cop because you they already are a robot everything. cop. Just they like fix everything. <laughs> they fix so everything. I think her character is. <sighs> everyone is so good in this movie, but I think her character not only she's a great performance and it really works, but I think she, without her, this movie would not work. I think she's the glue that holds everything else together. Yeah. No, I, I think you're dead right. I think that uh, she recognizes him. She re- brings his name back from the dead. She makes Murphy remember Murphy's rich, exciting life again. Um, this is one of my favorite pieces of trivia about any movie ever. When in full RoboCop costume, Peter Weller would remain in character between takes, only responding to director Paul Verhoeven's instructions when properly addressed as Robo. Fairhoven found this too funny to take seriously and dropped this after a couple of weeks. <laughs> Cut that shit out, dude. <laughs> That's brilliant. Because I feel like Verhoeven does that thing where he, like, you know, pe- gets people that he thinks would be almost maybe not even get the game that he's playing because he thinks that performance might work better. Like, Starship Troopers is perfect because he cast a bunch of... The casting of that is amazing. And I feel like... He might think this is funny because, oh my God, this guy's doing the exact thing that I want him to do. And he didn't even, like, he couldn't even last with Paul. Uh, there's endless amazing trivia about this. Here's another incredible one. Do you know who plays the secretary who uh, Clarence Boddicker sexually harasses and puts gum on? Before I answer, I just want to, uh, again, folks at home, please. Josh is doing research. He is. Where's the sound? Where's the sound? Yeah, Josh I'm, not is doing fucking, I'm not on I'm not on an, you can't just train me to tick tick for you okay uh, you just did baby you I know I'm broken I'm clearly not well <laughs> dead D uh don't do it yourself please this is only only professionals know how to do um I'm not uh who that was that was uh Kirkwood Smith's wife 
<laughs> that was his wife, <laughs> which so is good. delightful. It's so good. I, I love that little bit of business where he, even when he's like fucking cut up, bruised, destroyed, he comes into an office and he just like sexually assaults somebody. And it's just, Verhoeven makes the world. It, it's it's out of control because the world's out of control. And he just shows it like, if we pre- if we didn't always try to pretend that America wasn't completely fucked up, this is what will be happening all the time. Yeah, or the scene just when he walks up to her walking through the wreckage of the office without even fucking giving a flying shit and like just everything. <laughs> he just represents the ultimate intersection of like everything fucking shitty about America in one like Nazi like little motherfucker. He's so incredible. So I don't know. How is he not the MVP in a lot of ways? Like, ah, like joking. That's like, the thing. There's some, Jesus. Boddicker's like just one of the best villains ever. He's just, it's just the worst. He, oh, so wait, God, do you want to awesome. waste your MVP on Johnson? <laughs> I don't know. It's got to be Boddicker at the end of the day. I think so. I mean, Johnson. Uh, Johnson's delightful. He's my runner-up then. He's fucking awesome. I think, yeah, for for movies like this where it's very hard, a runner-up is, uh, I I would agree with you. I think, well, no, I I think that Boddicker is my runner-up. I think he's uh, fucking the wildfire that this movie also needs to become what it is. And those two are very different, very different performances. Can you fly, Bobby? Okay, this, so as we go off on on a Verhoeven-inspired franchise, we have to – this is actually very pertinent. This movie, along with Basic Instinct, Starship Troopers, and Hollow Man, is one of four separate movie franchises in which the first movie of their respected series, directed by Paul Verhoeven, were successful. But their respective sequels, not directed by Ver- Verhoeven, all either bombed the box office or direct to VHS and DVD. Yeah. This is actually – this is really good for our podcast. This is what we look at. And Verhoeven is the king of accidentally create, like doing something so well that only he can do that people are like, shit, people love that. Let's do more. And then I think honestly, this is like bad remakes was the thing we all know and we're taught. And like, this is what people are talking about when bad remakes is that other people are trying to recreate a magic that they don't deserve to be playing with. And you end up with some really bad movies. So we'll see what happens next week. I don't know. I'm very scared. I suppose scared. we will. Wow. What a journey we're on. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if in, in a serious note, the police are bad. They should all be uh, fired, and most of them should be probably just put down. Um, but, yeah, if there's anything – I don't know. You said you are going to share some some resources. We'll, uh, we'll make sure to have a lot of links to bail funds and other ways to help folks out who are being treated incredibly horribly by the police. There is, you know, if you're glued to a screen like I am, the unbelievable videos and images, well, believable to a lot of folks, but in for sheer extremity, density, and frequency over the last few at, like days, like that's yeah, it, like every the sheer, hour is packed. Right. You know, uh, it, it's really uh, the violence is the responsibility of these people and it's self-evident. And uh, right. it, we have to confront that. And uh, there are ways to help people out. Yeah. This movie really shows cops to be, well, perhaps uh, America itself is running the show or corporate greed, capitalism unchecked is doing it. The violence belongs to the cops. This is everything they are doing is exacerbating violence in this country so if uh, they just calmed the fuck down and were peaceful helpers instead of militant murderers um, maybe we could all live a little more peacefully i think we'll close off on murphy's favorite slogan dead or alive you're coming with me see you next week